Happy New Year, everyone. We're joined by Sherry from Back of Beyond Books and Jesse from the Grand County Public Library. Good evening. Good evening, Greetings. everyone. Happy New Year. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the one thing I'm not going to do since I'm on the board is do a resolution show, so <laughs> don't have to worry about that. But what we like to do on the Radio Book Club is go over some of the best-selling, best-read books over the last uh Seven days, <laughs> the uh, Independent Booksellers Association always updates a bestseller list, and the Grand County Library taps into that list as well. And then we will talk about events at both the bookstore and the library. We had the famous question of the day, and then we'll talk about what we are reading. So if that sounds good. Stay tuned for the next hour in your community radio station. Let's start with event, because I suspect it's uh, a little slower. Uh, speaking for myself, we're all breathing a sigh of relief that the season is done, and maybe we <laughs> can breathe again. So, <laughs> Sherry, any reflections on, on what's going on at the bookstore? You know, I think mostly it's wrapping up Books for Tots this year, and of course, as every year that we've done this, program, we were always blown away by the community's efforts, and they came out and they bought these books. We're wrapping that up at this point, getting our list of thanks together, and going to get all these uh, boxes, these brimming, I would call them, <laughs> these brimming boxes of books to their corresponding uh, schools and institutions, so... And you get to go out into the community yep. to 10 organizations and mm -hmm. deliver hundreds it's, of books. It's seriously like a little a little Santa move. <laughs> 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 it's like, here I am, and then they're big smiles. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it was fun this year. I've been going through all the people that, you know, that donated and lots of fun names and dogs and cats. And <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Santa, Santa's elves, all sorts of people and things and, and animals donated this year. <laughs> it just goes to show that uh, literacy is important to the community. And we also had some donated funds, some of which we're going to roll over into the Grand Area Mentoring Program. It's been I guess two school years that the mentoring uh, staff has not been able to bring in their kids to the, the store, which is one of their standard field trips. And so we talked to Dan, and he has uh, green-lighted them coming back. And so each of the 54 mentees who's matched with an area mentor will get a voucher uh, to the bookstore, and they get to choose book or books of their own and take them home into these underserved households, which yeah. is just, it's so heartening to see these kids. And some of them struggle because, you know, there's eight or 10 books they want and they have to narrow it down and it makes them work on the financial side of things and uh, their eyes are bigger than their budget, but it's fun. Uh, one other thing I will mention, we have our staff picks at the bookstore. Of course, you, if you go in there, you'll see them on the shelves. But we've, uh, with our new social media person, Alyssa, she, we've actually got every Monday someone from our staff has, writes a review, 
and we send that out on social media. So it's kind of it might be kind of a fun thing to keep a watch on. You know, just like every Monday, you're going to see someone from the bookstore reviewing their favorite book um, of the month or of the last couple of months. And we're going to do it regularly. So uh, check us out on that on those platforms. So the Instagram and mm-hmm. Facebook. Yep. And for those who are not on any of those, you can just walk by the store because those pics will be in the front window. And they're on our website. Perfect. They're also on our website. So, And there's some great ones, I tell you. It's it's a not, not a, a bad thing to follow if you're just kind of thinking, you know, uh, if you want a diverse array of subjects. <laughs> um, and yeah. the library is really good at keying into what's going on at the bookstore and Jesse makes sure that typically the books we talk about the bookstore the library has so you have options. Jesse what's going on at uh, the library in January? Well it's a pretty quiet winter at the library probably a good thing all things considered but I would like to talk about um, our uh, next reading challenge. That's right. We're doing another reading challenge. We figure you're reading already. You might as well make it count <laughs> or something. And uh, um, this one began on j- uh, January 1st. It'll go till the 31st. Just another little short one. And it's called Read for a Better World. And um, you can get little prizes for signing up and you can get um, little completion prizes. And also you're earning little badges as you go. One of the really cool things about this um, um, this reading challenge is that uh, when you go to um, the library's website um, to, to sign up for this online reading challenge, or you could go to tinyurl.com slash gcplread. That'll take you right there as well. But once you're registered for this little reading challenge, um, you will have instant access to hundreds of of, of ebook titles, um, a temporary loan from the Learner, um, the Learner Book uh, Publishing Catalog, and these are all geared towards social justice, uh, towards understanding other points of view, towards more compassionate living, um, and uh, there's some really great titles in there. So you have you have a, a month for months free access to this amazing um, list of free ebooks if you sign up. Anyway, you can call the library for more info or go to our website at moablibrary.org. Very easy to sign in there. And that's the news for the moment. How's Cosmos doing? <laughs> Let me tell you, Cosmo is doing really, really great. Um, recently, the library was closed for a few days over the holidays, and uh, I stopped in almost every single day, a couple times even, to just check on him, see if he wanted to go in or out, make sure he had... This is a cat, by this the way. This is a cat, oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Andy. For those of you who don't know... Not a little have, mouse. A little child. <laughs> <laughs> a handsome black and white tuxedo cat that lives at the library named Cosmo. Anyway, every time I went to go check on him, it, there was evidence that I was about the fifth person that day that had stopped Aww. in to check on him. He's pretty stays inside most of the time when it's this cold, unfortunately, <laughs> um, but he is being well cared for and he's just a constant delight. Anytime you pop into the library, if you don't see him, just ask. We might be able to point him out to you and he can go say hi. 
to one of the the softest, friendliest cats. <laughs> and Cosmo. the library will be closed on Martin Luther King we are indeed, holiday. That's right. Our next closure is going to be the Monday the 17th in honor of Martin Luther King Jr. And uh, that that is it. We'll be open on our regular days other than that. All right. What's the hot books right now? It's, it's post-Christmas, and I wonder if the lists reflect um, a Christmas rush or not. We, we find people buy differently in the last few weeks of the year than they normally would, and I'm kind of curious if that's reflected at all. It's probably a little different at the library since there's not people aren't checking out for gifts. Um, I would say that the 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 best way the best metric for me is to see how look at the holds list how many patrons have how many holds on what book and I look at the top, you know the top four or five and those are mostly the same ones you guys are seeing on the bestsellers the new Leanne Moriarty uh, uh, Moriarty excuse me called Apples Never Fall. There's the new Louise Erdrich, The Sentence. That one I have multiple copies of to keep up with holds on that. I've been, Andy uh, gave us a lovely report on that book last month. Cloud Cuckoo Land, the new Anthony Doerr. I have three copies of that. Uh, I just lied, two <laughs> copies of that in circulation with many, many holds. The new Jody Pickholt is called Wish You Were Here. That one has uh, lots of folks wanting to read it. And these are all fiction titles so far. Um, the Sally Rooney, Beautiful World, Where Are You? That one's been quite the checker outer. <laughs> and um, Is that technical, the checker outer? Checker I love outer. that term. Well, it is Keep now. using it. <laughs> it's quite the checker outer. <laughs> <laughs> that could be used in many contexts. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, and then Bewilderment, the Richard Powers book. That one's been a real hot item, too. Then there are these other books, which I know we're just constantly checking out because I never see them. Once I purchase them, get them processed, they're mm -hmm. just always in someone's hands. Gastro Obscura, the new um, uh, Atlas Obscura book about exotic food, which is so much fun. That one's constantly gone. And... Uh, yeah, there are, I could go on and on, but um, those are those are some of the the ones we can't keep up with right now. When you mentioned Jesse, the books that you purchase, I think most people are aware it's a public library using public funds mm -hmm. to purchase those books. What if someone were to want to donate either monies to the Grand County Public Library or donate books? Is there a process? There absolutely is. Um, people do occasionally make cash donations, and that goes into the the general fund, and we can we can allot it however the the folks have wished. Um, and also book donations, we absolutely accept used book donations. Um, folks bring us boxes and boxes of used books. In fact, and those all go into the library's uh, book sale that is in the lobby of the library, um, always there during our open hours. Um, and folks do make, uh, once in a while, folks will make a, a donation of a specific new book mm -hmm. that, that has happened. Usually it's the author themselves, <laughs> 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 which is great. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, I try to pick, I try to, you know, read, read in advance and pick books that I know will be popular. I try to, I, I know the community well enough to, to, uh, be able to, speculate a little bit pull in titles i think will be good for the most part and uh, then we respond to requests a lot of what you see on the shelves have been specifically requested 
by people and then we have purchased them for the general collection great great yeah, yeah. sherry any reflections on the list this week well just kind of i was thinking back about you know during those couple of weeks before christmas what we were being asked about of course the paul mccartney's lyri- the lyrics we were surprisingly sent a few of those out the door um Brene brown's atlas of the heart that one that one uh, skyrocketed that one right up. yeah and that was kind of um one of those that was very gift it looked like it'd be a nice gift um and even that Renegades, the Barack Obama mm-hmm. and Springsteen. Springsteen. Yeah, yeah. That's one I as well. Um, Amanda Gorman's second book of poems, Call Us What We Carry, that one was a nice gift item as well. We, we sent a few of those out the door. Uh, let's see, of course, and then, you know, gift-wise, we were running really low on braiding sweetgrass, ga- sweet so we had people literally buying a few at a time. Hmm. Um, just because they, you know, they were thinking, well, I'm going to give this person that gift, and then maybe I'll just buy a couple more in case I think of the next person mm-hmm. that I want to give mm-hmm. this to. Wonderful. So that, of course, became a nice uh, Christmas gift. And then lots of kids' books. Um, Change Things, which is the Amanda Gorman one. Um, and, of course, Dune just keeps hopping, hopping and popping. And then this kind of funny, the field guide to dumb birds of the whole stupid world. I know, Andy, you don't like uh-huh. that one. <laughs> um, but that's creeping way up <laughs> on the list, <laughs> which is kind of funny. People seem to really uh, like that one. And a few cooking books. The New York Times, Cooking, No Recipe, Recipes, and the Ottolenghi Test Kitchen. Those are, those are so beautiful. I just love, love all those. So we're also going to see, Sherry, a, a little seismic shift on the bestseller list because we lost uh, one of the, the giants of, of literature this le- about a week ago. Yeah. And anytime we, we do lose someone, their books tend to hit the bestseller list again. Yeah. And none of the independent bookstores can get them. And, and I don't know about the library, how you're stocked. But do you want to talk a little bit about Joan Didion? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's funny. I came with my, of course, a little stack of Joan. And, and <laughs> both Andy and Jesse were like, more Joan. <laughs> this might be, you know, one of the last times I talk about Joan. So <laughs> just bear with me. But RIP Joan Didion, uh, 1934. I think she was born in 1934, died December 23rd, 2021. And as I've been kind of going back through and reading uh, some of my favorites, really what's kind of surprising is the first book I ever read of Joan Didion's was was not way back in my youth, but um, one she wrote in her later years called Blue Nights. And that was kind of the first, my first foray. And from then, you know, I went into some of my favorites, The White Album, uh, Slouching Sword, Bethlehem, and uh, one of her novels, Play It As, one of my favorite novels, Play It As It Lays. But, you know, I was just doing a lot of research on what people were saying about Joan, because what's really fascinating to me is, you know, she just, she kind of looks like this vogue, cool cat. You know, everything, all the pictures you see are just, wonderful you know she's standing in front of her yellow porsche or whatever and she definitely has this kind of cool vibe but when you really um sink down into her sentences and that's how i'd say it they're pretty sharp i mean literally pretty sharp and so 
I was very, um, if you can bear with me, I'd just like to read it just a little bit of what Zadie Smith said about Joan in a uh, New Yorker article that came out literally, I think, the day after she died. It's called Joan Didion and the Opposite of Magical Thinking. You didn't have to, to agree with her, but you had to submit to her sentences. Mm. And that's exactly what I'd say about, you know, I, I, I'd get into her kind of journalistic style, but at the same time, I'd just stop time and time again and just learn how to write from her. And so I'm just going to read this real quick. With notable exceptions, Didion was a woman who didn't, and this again is uh, Zadie Smith, uh, who I also very much love, um, writer of White Teeth and Intimations, among other things. Um, with notable ex exceptions, Didion was a woman who did not so much express opinions or emotions as interrogate both. Mm. If this still strikes us as unusual, it seemed unprecedented to me when reading her for the first time in the late 80s. That she was a woman mattered very much. When women writers of my generation speak in odd tones of Didion's style, I don't think it's the shift dresses or the sunglasses, the cigarettes or commas or even the M dashes that we revere, even though all those things were fabulous. It was the authority, the authority of tone. There's much in Didion one might disagree with personally, politically, aesthetically. I will never love the doors. But I remain grateful for the day I picked up slouching toward Bethlehem and realized that a woman could speak without hedging her bets, without hemming and hawing, without making nice, without poeticisms, without sounding pleasant or sweet, without deference, and without even without doubt. It must be hard for a young woman today to imagine the sheer scope of things that women of my generation feared women couldn't do. But believe me, writing with authority was one of them. You wanted to believe it, you needed proof, and not Victorian proof. Didion, like her contemporary Toni Morrison, became Exhibit A. Uniquely, she could be kept upon your person like a flick knife, stuffed in a back pocket, the books being so slim and portable, she gave you confidence, shored you up, and did so, and did so, not by rejecting the supposed realm of women, but by drilling down into it. All one's actual apprehension of what it is, what it is like to be a woman, the irreconcilable difference of it, that sense of living one's deepest life underwater, that dark involvement with blood, birth, and death. I thought that just summed it up, summed her up. Um, she that dark involvement. There was yeah, you know, there's a lot. There were a lot of layers, and and she even talked about kind of this idea, even you know, the way we have used some of her words, like we tell our self stories in order to live. To me, that was kind of like this wonderful line. But as we sort of dig deeper, she's also talking about the way we delude ourselves. You know, we tell ourselves stories in order to live. And even this idea of magical thinking, you know, she wrote this book about the death of her husband. And it's not like a spiritual tome. 
it's like, you know, she had to almost invest in magical thinking to get through the death of her husband. And so, um, there, you know, there's this kind of whole idea that um, the way she chose her words, we, we sometimes misrepresent them on the surface. Um, and so we, we get deeper and we go deeper. And, and I have to say personally, I felt, I, you know, I never met her, but I did feel the loss of her and I still do. And um, yeah, thanks. That's all I'll say about her. <laughs> thanks. Jesse, does the library have any Joan in right now? Any available? Yeah, yeah we do. We've got quite a um, quite a handful of her books, and that we put up a display immediately after we got the sad news of her passing. And I would say there are three books. I okay, couldn't tell you good. which ones. Um, I think they're all her essays uh, that haven't yet to checked out. So yes, if you come down to the library, there are a few. We have nothing. Yeah, it'll be yeah, it'll be nothing. a few weeks before we get book. anything wow. back yeah. in. So, and um, that kind of leads us um, to another loss that we experienced just the week before that, when Bell Hooks passed away, um, and that's another that's another um, author that um, her books are now really hard to hard to find. I'm yes. thinking Ingram's back ordered. <laughs> yes, on, our distributors are back ordered <clears throat> on uh, almost all of her her titles, and she wrote quite a few. Um, and was just as life changing for those who read her, especially uh, women in, of a certain age. It, it, she just resonated. I saw her. I, I saw her at. Uh, um, Cody's books in Berkeley and that was probably maybe early 2000s nice. and uh, that's when I think I think uh, all about love was written in like 2001 maybe and it was about that time because I remember that's that's how I that's how I got that book um, did you get her to sign it yes nice yes nice and 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 I don't know if folks know, but the that is a trilogy. Um, it's all about love, and then a book called Communion, and then a third one called Salvation. Communion subtitled The Female Search for Love, and then Salvation, the third one in this trilogy, Black People and Love. And so um, there, you know, it's interesting because a lot of uh, there was kind of hints of this being a somewhat of a um, an early self-help book uh, because she really did. I love this idea of interrogation and the way Zadie talked about um, Joan in that way. And I would say that um, Belle also um, interrogated things and she wanted to um, she wanted to find an acting definition of love. And she was able to actually kind of uh, alight on something. I'm just going to read this real quick. She says that I spent years searching for a meaningful definition of the word love and was deeply relieved when I found one in psychiatrist M. Scott Peck's classic self-help book, The Road Less Traveled, first published in 1978, echoing the work of Eric Fromm. He defines love as the will to extend oneself for the purpose of nurturing one's own or another's spiritual growth. And the one thing I remember really getting out of All About Love was she was really expanding this idea of romantic love and taking it, you know, in much different directions. And she was giving us um, examples through her own relationships with a couple of different men. And I remember it being quite um, intimate and 
and yet uh, just really following her with this kind of, yeah, we need newer definitions of, of love. And so, yeah. Bell Hooks. Yep. R.I.P. Joan Didion. Yep. <laughs> We're going to throw the old white guy into this, too. We lost Edward O. Wilson yes. as well. Yes. And uh, he, was, he was a phenomenal scientist, uh, entomologist and social scientist. Um, and I just had to just have to mention him. He's an absolutely, oh, yeah, uh, just definitely. just uh, Harvard. I mean, he and Harvard went synonymously together for forty years, and he never really retired. Once he retired, he just kept working and working, but just not within academia. And his books, as an evolutionary biologist and thinker, will will go on yeah. uh, forever. And With the people he yeah. influenced, yeah, yeah, no, it's. It's so sad to to be losing these these greats of of literature and thinking, and bless her heart, Betty White. But <laughs> she gets so much more press than than these people who I call the influencers, the true influencers. Gary Paulson, Desmond Tutu. G yeah. Gary Paulson died. Yeah. yeah, I did not hear about Gary yeah. Paulson. Gary oh, Paulson died. And Beverly Cleary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's been a tough year on David on Roberts. Many levels. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is the Radio Book Club on KZMU 90.1, 106.7 on the FM dial hardback radio. Each month, we bring a surprise question to our panelists. And today, each one of you need to get a pencil out because you're going to have to write down. Well, I bet you, you won't, actually, knowing you two. Um, <laughs> what we're going to do, and everyone out there in the listening audience, play along with us, please. We're going to go through what the New York Times readers have voted as the top 25 books in the past 125 years. And that 125 years is geared towards when the New York Times book review started 125 years ago. And so they put out a poll in October to their readers. They narrowed it down to 25, and then they narrowed it down to 5. And what we're going to do <laughs> is note the books that you have not read. Oh, Ooh, interesting. There's my next TBR. On Wait. this I love top that. 25. So we don't have to pull much out of our heads. No, you don't have to do anything. Oh, you thank just you. need to thank listen. You, thank you, thank you, thank <laughs> you. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to. And, <laughs> I can guess the top book. That's all I can do. Every one of yeah. these I want to comment on but we're not going to because <laughs> that's for another show so these are the ones we have not read these are the ones we have not read okay Obviously, do you have yours already? i have my yeah, list nice. yeah okay, i have cool. asterisked the books that i have not <laughs> read and these are in no particular order and i'll do the top five at the end so 1984 all the light we cannot see wow <laughs> see i want to comment oh that's you oh, know, know a novel that came out Four years ago, and it's already in the top 25 of the wow. 125 years. Beloved, Catch-22, Catcher in the Rye, Charlotte's Web, Confederacy of Dunces, Fellowship of the Ring. And I assume that's the trilogy, but they specified Fellowship of right. the Ring. Right, that's the first, the first book Yeah. the trilogy, right? Um, uh, but if you've read the trilogy, then you're in. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> a Fine Balance. Mm. Rohinton Mystery. A Gentleman in Moscow. Gone with the Wind. Grapes of Wrath. 
The Great Gatsby, Handmaid's Tale, The Sorcerer's, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's right. Stone. It doesn't count if you read subsequent. has to be the first one. Infinite Jest. Mm. Does it count if I read the first 20 pages only? <laughs> that counts. That counts. No, For I'm Infinite say, Jest? I'm going to yeah. say I, didn't, I chose not to read that one after a while. Um, yeah, and that'll get to the last one on this list for me as well. Mm. To Kill a Mockingbird. A Little Life. Henya Younga Hira. And I, mm. that was, uh, I had to look that one up actually. Lolita. Lonesome Dove, 100 Years of Solitude, Overstory, Prayer for Owen Meany, A Tree Grows in Brooklyn, and Ulysses. Oh, Good God oh. almighty, that one made it on it. Okay, let's count them up here. <laughs> <laughs> All fiction. All fiction titles. So I'll go first. Okay. I will fully admit... I have not read <laughs> Beloved. I, ah. I'm surprised at that. Yep. Mm. I never did read Gentleman in Moscow. My mm. wife did, so maybe I get half a point a because she one. told yeah. me all about it. Uh, yeah, Infinite Jest. I tried. I tried. <laughs> uh, a Tree Grows in Brooklyn, Betty Smith. I know. I can't believe I haven't I have read, read that, that one. Yeah. yeah. And Ulysses. Now, <laughs> Ulysses, I have gone back to so many times to try it. I, I start in the middle, I start at the end, I mm -hmm. turn it upside down. It still makes no yeah. sense. Yeah, Ulysses on one side and the waves on the other by Virginia Woolf. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, I just, it's like, I can't do these. So my score is five. Okay. Five that you haven't read. That I have not read out of the That's 25. Who's next? Well, you know, what's funny? I can't remember if I read A Fine Balance. I remember thinking that I would read A Fine Balance, but I don't think I did. And I've picked up Infinite Jest and read everything about Infinite yeah. Jest. <laughs> Even listened to podcasts about Infinite oh Jest, God. but I've never read it. A Little Life, I've never read. And then Ulysses, so four. Wow, yeah, I've got ten that I haven't read. Can I see your list, Andy? If you can read it, yes. I can read it. So I haven't read Ulysses. I haven't read Infinite Jest. Um, I haven't read... What was the line? Uh, okay, I haven't read A Little Life. I haven't read Lonesome Dove. And I've never read Lolita, and I'm not sure that I ever will. I yeah, know that at this it's point. some of the best writing ever, but I'm not sure I want to spend that t my time there. Uh, although I spend my time in lots of other grisly places. That <laughs> 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 one, maybe not. I don't know. Um, and A Tree Grows in Brooklyn, I haven't read. I'm really thrilled that A Hundred Years of Solitude made it on there. Mm -hmm. That's got to be one of my favorite books in the world. Anyway, very and interesting. I know I didn't hit all ten, I'm at ten that I haven't read, but that's what I can read. <laughs> It's just fun. That was yeah, great. Yeah. yeah. That was and yeah. so the top five, after they, they winnowed it down to mm -hmm. 25, and then they, I don't know if they revoted. They must have. Mm -hmm. Because the top five. Drama world rules. <laughs> uh, the top book in the last 125 years, according to the readers of the New York Times Book of Review, To Kill a Mockingbird. Hmm. Fellowship of the Ring. Huh. 1984. 100 Years of Solitude, and Beloved. Nice. So I'm going to read Beloved. Yeah, read I'm Beloved soon. I'm going to read Beloved. And it's, 
It's surprising and shocking and amazing and bizarre and everything that is new in literature. I that's my that's what I would say about Beloved. She's just so singular in her writing. Just so singular. To All Kill right. a Mockingbird. To love it. To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. yeah. Just don't read Ghost Out of Watchmen. Exactly. I agree. It was not good. It's not good. There were good parts. There were good bits. There were no, I would argue that. that I liked. It was uh, yeah. disillusioning but and um, perhaps important. Perhaps yeah. some of the stories. I would yeah. argue that it, it was important to, to know that this was written. Uh -huh. Yes. And, and a little yes. perspective for, for how Mockingbird came about. Absolutely. Uh -huh. Should yeah. it have been published? That's debatable. Uh -huh. But... Yeah. Um, yeah, it's... It was like the diving board. You know, she used that because oh, yeah. it, it was her diving board to get to her opus. That's yeah. what I think, you know. Yeah. Well, for those of you in the listening audience, why don't you email the library and tell what your scores are? <laughs> and I know someone's out there that, that scored zero. Someone's read all of those books. And I'll I'd, bet. I'd love to, to if, talk to you. And if, if anyone, I was just going to say, if anyone is listening that knows my email, <laughs> send your scores to me. <laughs> yeah, and if you, um, yeah, I'll just tell you, my email or is text. Je jessie at moablibrary.org, J-E-S-S-I-E at moablibrary.org. Org. If any of you scored zero and have yes. read all of those, I have a prize for you. <laughs> I was just going to say, we'll come up with a prize. I will come up with an awesome prize from for you. Both. I don't know what yeah. it is. We'll bring something to the table, too, Send from the bookstore. Send me an email, and we'll build a little shrine. And, <laughs> yeah, anyway. Ulysses. Uh -huh. You, you would have had to have done, you know, Infinite Jest and Jess. Ulysses. Yeah. But there's plenty of people oh, yeah. out there. And Charlotte's Web. <laughs> you know, that's going to be quite right. a broad reader that's read, read all of this. Who hasn't read Charlotte's Web? Oh, I Web. know. Oh. <laughs> well, what are we reading today? Oh. Well, I just started a great book. Um, it is the book three in the Bruno Chief of Police series by Martin Walker. The book is called Black Diamond. These are mysteries that take place in a charming little village in the French countryside where Martin Walker actually lives. Bruno, chief of police, uh, lives in the Dordogne uh, area. And um, in this particular book, uh, there is trouble afoot in the multi-million dollar truffle industry. <laughs> yes. And... Um, like Louise Penny, who also writes uh, really good murder mysteries, um, these books are precious in that they, well, precious, that's a horrible word, I'm sorry. These books are very delightful in that they give you a rich, rich sense of place. This is a person who has lived and uh, experienced this part of the world, and so you're getting all, it's almost like a, a tr you know, getting to travel there in a way. We learn, we learn about the f all kinds of food and wine and now truffles and um, delightful characters and a darn good murder mystery, too. Those, are all, those always uh, hold up pretty tightly. But what I really appreciate back about these is just the really deeply rooted sense of place. And, um, and so if you uh, want to spend a little bit of time in the middle of France, in the Dordogne, where there is wine country and the Lascaux Caves and all kinds of really lovely, lovely people, 
um, check out Martin Walker. We have his entire series at the library. They're still, he's still working on them. One just was just published actually. And I think he's up to like, gosh, 13, 14 now. Anyway, um, highly recommend Martin Walker. Um, this one is called Black Diamond, Mystery of the French Countryside. <laughs> Sherry? You know, I'm going to do something a little different. I, I have some friends out there out in the world who keep me posted. I uh, Sometimes I'll send them a book if they'll send me a book review. And they're usually between like 12 and 16. These are my little friends, who my little reading friends. And I've gotten the permission from my friend Violet uh, to read her very small book review of a YA novel called These Violent Delights. I hope Violet's listening tonight. I know. I did get her permission. She's like, sure, you can do that. Oh, fun. <laughs> I know. So I'm just going to read you her text her text review. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, and this is what she said. It's kind of great. Hi, this is Violet. Sorry for not writing sooner. I remembered I owe you a book report <laughs> for These Violent Delights. I finished it a while ago in one sitting, so it's pretty good. It's Romeo and Juliet retelling, and I love the world building in it. It's based in Shanghai during the opium crisis, and I find learning about the politics of it super interesting. I absolutely loved how she depicted the city. Delightful characters, intense love, awesome plot, hard families, <laughs> etc. And don't even get me started on her writing. <laughs> <laughs> I got sucked into the book so much that when I finished, I wondered why I'm not in Shanghai. <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> I would 100%, not 98% or even 75%, I would 100% recommend this book. It's a duology. The second book is coming out soon. I'm excited to read it. I'll text you when I do. <laughs> oh, I love it. Thanks, Good Violet. job, Violet. Yes. Well <laughs> so Violet wrote a book review about these violent <laughs> delights by Chloe Gong. So we've been to Shanghai, we've been to the Dordogne. Yep. And I'm going to take us to Monterey, California. Monterey. My first book I want to review tonight is called The Life and Times of Joe Mora, Iconic Artist of the American West by Peter Heller. Or Hiller, excuse me. Uh, this was a book that I actually lusted after. The Book Club of California published it in an extremely fancy limited edition. It was They printed like 120 of them, and it cost $500. And some good friends of mine who are, are booksellers up in Monterey um, had a few copies in, in their booth, and it, it was beautiful. Just it, it touched my heart. And knowing the artwork of Joe Mora, I, I did want to look into it, but I, I couldn't put down the money. Then they published a, a, a second limited edition, but it, it, they called it the trade edition, but it was only $100. And I still couldn't mm -hmm. do that. And finally, after both of those had, had nearly sold out, did Gibbs Smith get permission to print a true trade edition? And Sherry, thank you for bringing us back from the Mountains and Plains yes. booksellers. For those of you who don't know Joe Mora, you've seen his work, um, especially if any of you are are fans of the the British rock group The Birds <laughs> and their album Sweetheart of the Rodeo. That album cover is Joe Mora art. 
That actually is from a piece of art he created in 1933 that was called Evolution of the Cowboy. And the, the birds used the nickname of that um, piece of art and what as Sweethearts of the Rodeo. But what Joe Mora did in his, his um, graphic art is he did what he called carts, or another word for maps. And in this case, it's a map of the history of the rodeo. And then he also did one shortly thereafter, the history of uh, Native Americans. And these posters were then printed usually in black and white or someone would commission a color edition of it. And they would sell them by the thousands. He was friends with uh, Stephen Mather, who was the first director of the National Park Service. And so he did one on Yosemite. And that's recently been reprinted. So it's now available again. Joe Mora was multifaceted. He was a sculptor, a, a oil painter, a watercolorist, and then he did this commercial, more commercial art. What I wasn't aware of is that he spent three years in the early turn of the century, 20th century, living in and amongst primarily the Puebloans uh, up on the first, second, and third mesas down in Arizona and spending time with the Navajo Nation as well. And he's one of the very, very few white artists who spent that much time down there. E.A. Burbank was another one, and, and they were contemporaries, and they palled around with each other. And out of that period of time, he gained the trust, especially of the Hopi. And they he was allowed to photograph the Hopi, unlike anyone and allowed to uh, paint them. Mm. And um, I would dearly love to pick up a piece of Joe Mora, mm. but you know, that's not <laughs> gonna happen. But um, it's exciting to learn a lot more about the artist and his background. So that's Joe Mora, Life and Times, the iconic artist of the American West. It's a great looking book too, just physically. Yeah, it feels, it feels really good. Yeah. Uh, Gib Smith did a did really a job. fine job of publishing. Yeah. It's on heavy, uh, glossy paper to show the color art off mm. really, really well. What do you got, Jesse? Um, let's see. I have been wanting to talk about the author Richard Osman for a couple of months now. I just finished. His, he's a British guy. Um, he's written for TV a lot and has started to publish novels. I just finished the second one in a... Uh, in a little series he started. The first one is called The Thursday Murder Club. I'm sure you can uh, sense a theme here in the, the books I'm attract attracted to. Um, and then the one that just came out was by him, also called uh, a continuation of this, this series called The Man Who Died Twice. Um, the Thursday Murder Club is so lovely and fun. These are really great capers. Of course, there's a murder <laughs> and a mystery around it, but it's the characters you want. Um, I just, I'm so wish that I could meet these people or maybe even be these people someday. This is a peaceful retirement village in England. And four unlikely friends from the retirement village meet every week secretly in the jigsaw room to discuss unsolved crimes they have access to their friend is a, another person there is a retired policewoman police detective and so they have access to all of these unsolved crimes one of the people in this little group of folks is um named elizabeth she's our our main she's our main crime solver and she is ex mi5 mi6 she's an ex 
um, <laughs> a spy, an operative for the British government, and she is sharp as a tack, and do not underestimate this old woman. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I can't take up all the time that I would love to tell you about more of these characters, but these are clean books. If you like... Um, you like a clean read with a enjoy a mystery but you don't necessarily need all of the language and uh, graphic violence these probably would be great for you um, they're a little bit Agatha Christie and um, they're just really the characters are hilarious and uh, the stories are really good he writes a at a snappy pace um, but the the characters are just really richly drawn and uh, really really fun characters. We should all be so lucky to wind up in a retirement village with these folks like these. Richard Osmond's Richard Osmond's yes Thursday, the Thursday Murder, Murder Club. Club. That's on yeah. the bestseller list. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah, I think it just dropped off the this last week. Yeah. But yep, okay. it's been hanging out. Those are good. Sherry. Uh, yeah, I wanted to just. Uh, do a little nod to my rabbit hole, current rabbit hole obsession with, uh, of course, um, a lot of folks know that Peter Jackson, uh, the filmmaker, uh, was able to pull from about 120 hours of film footage um, with the Beatles doing, um, you know, creating their uh, album Get Back and in 1969 they they just there's just hours and hours and hours of them creating um, singing jamming and making this album together um, of course we know that not long after uh, all of this footage the Beatles actually broke up and you know I haven't been that person who just has um, obsessed over the Beatles but I have to say over the last maybe a couple months, I think it came out about a month and a half ago, or two months, um, Peter Jackson was able to kind of take this documentary footage, and there's no talking head, uh, basically you just get, for six hours, if you can stand it, you get to watch the creative process um, at work, and I, I think that that's what I love most about this project, and um, the project itself has a compendium or um, a, a book that that comes with it called The Beatles Get Back. Um, and uh, Peter Jackson, of course, kind of got that uh, going as well. So you can actually buy this book, um, but you can also see the six hours of footage. And again, like I said, I don't know if I've ever been so kind of stunned in a way at watching the raw material at large, you know, just these kind of amorphous songs and they're jamming and then suddenly one iconic song starts to emerge out of this kind of, you know, amorphous jamming. And so, like I said, this kind of uh, extraordinary um, tribute to uh, the, the creative process and also the evolutionary process and to see how much they had evolved since the, the teeny bopper kind of Beatlemania years that weren't even that, you know, like a, a few years earlier. Um, and so that's the book that goes with the documentary. And both are amazing and um, worth watching and reading. A nice throwback. Yeah. Beautiful. My next book is by an artist slash author named Tony Angel. And it's The House of Owls. 
and it's University of, is it Princeton? Yale. So it's kind of hard to get. Um, but it's, it's a beautiful book, and I need to give a little bit of backstory here. Way back when I was a wee lad, I read a book called In the Company of Crows and Ravens. It wasn't that long ago, uh, but probably 20 years ago. And that was another one of Tony's books that he co-wrote with uh, a gentleman named uh, John Marsloff. And the reason I, I love that book so much was the mixture of fine art and natural history. And it just was one of my favorite natural history books. And then fast forward another 10 years or 12 years, and I was uh, very, very lucky to be able to join Ivan and Carid, Carol Doig, um, the, the famous author, uh, for dinner at their house outside of Seattle. And there on the walls were Tony Angel's beautiful original artworks. Mm. And I just about melted, <laughs> having having loved his art through his book, and I just felt like I, I was in heaven. And I don't know how I missed his book, The House of Owls, but Tony has been observing owls for 40 years. And being in the Pacific Northwest, owls are, are more present than, than they are down in the Southwest, where we rarely get to see them. Whereas up in the Northwest, you do get to see and hear them quite often. And what Tony has done is just gone through, for, a, for instance, a screech owl that lives in his backyard. And he goes through the life cycle and the, the breeding and the mating and the, and the fledging of the young. And then he intersperses his artwork that shows all these life cycle moments. And it just really brought owls to life for me. And it was, it is absolutely delightful hmm. and so I, I would recommend both uh, in the company of crows and ravens and uh, tony angels the house of owls both just beautiful well done natural history artistic uh, looks at birds makes me think of that mind of the raven uh, by oh, Heinrich. burn Heinrich. yeah burnt burned yeah 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 which is a fabulous such a good, good I, it makes me cold though just thinking of <laughs> The observation. Yeah, Bird would spend all winter <laughs> yeah. watching ravens out in the wild. Yeah. In the in, in Maine, the I believe. <laughs> yeah, and, and four yeah. degrees. Yeah. Hmm. All right, Jess, so we're in the speed round. Okay. Um I er, 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 okay, I'll review this book. This is a book called Slewfoot by Brom, B-R-O-M. He is an, a really phenomenal painter and novel writer. He writes uh folk horror fantasy fiction, um, um, a lot of ancient deities and gods and uh, creepy tales. And so The Slewfoot is the first one I've picked up. And uh, it was pretty good. It, it pits uh, pagan gods of the, um, of, the, of the New Americas, quote unquote, New Americas against the Puritans. And um, this young woman is singled out and tormented in her little Puritan colony um, because the, the richer men in, want her land. And uh, she wasn't really a witch before, a witchy witch before that. Well, it turns out um, she's the 13th. She's the 13th in a row of some very <laughs> wise, very <laughs> wise women. And when they start to torment her, well, you wanted a witch, now you've got one. Holy cow. Stuff goes, uh, stuff goes wrong. 
and uh, <laughs> it is really it's really kind of a fun blend of um, of uh, pagan pagan mythology. And um, Neil Gaiman's American God sort of deals with, with this, what happens to the old deities when Christianity moves into a mm. country. Anyway, it was a pretty good fun. And uh, I would recommend uh, Slewfoot. It is S-L-E-W, foot. That's an old name for, uh, for the devil, I believe. A Tale of Bewitchery by Brahm. Slewfoot. <laughs> oh, and it's got lovely artwork. He paints, he paints, uh, paints pictures uh, that we get involved <laughs> illustrations sure you've got two minutes yes uh, i also interviewed this for the newsletter the new year newsletter uh back of beyond it's called agatha of the little of little neon by claire luchette uh, debut novel she looks very young in in her picture but um really simply put this is the story of four uh, nun sisters in the 80s so not that far uh, in the past, and they're in their like mid twenties. They get sent from uh, they their cloister actually goes bankrupt, and so they get sent up to a little town in Rhode Island, where uh, they are running a little halfway house. And so there's a whole really quirky cast of characters that you meet. And then Agatha, uh, her it's a very quiet uh, but very, very well-written story of, I would say, a crisis of faith. And uh, she, you know, she loves her sisters, but she starts to teach at the all-girls Catholic school. She teaches geometry. And so um, just, there, you know, she starts to question why she's... Um, in this life and and that's really simply put what the story's about but she brings this kind of um, mathematical language with um, I would say language of faith and and really mixes it well and with very fresh a very fresh voice so Agatha of Little Neon Claire Luchette beautiful and lastly I'm gonna wrap up with another Scott Graham mystery I suspect I've, I've reviewed at least one or two of his on the Radio Book Club. But his seventh novel, and these are all National Park Mysteries, is titled Canyonlands Carnage. I bet you can't guess what park <laughs> that is. Uh, so he's covered uh, southeast Utah except for Hovenweep and Natural Bridges with Arch's Enemy and now Canyonlands Carnage. And this is the least National Park-based novel and let me explain that. Chuck Bender is an archaeologist who is a contract archaeologist, and so he's always going out to these parks and stumbling upon a murder. And he interacts directly with the Park Service folk, and that's been one of my beefs, is he's never quite gotten the, the mythos of the National Park Ranger quite right. And I was mm. able to review some early drafts of his, and he fixed up use some of my suggestions uh, being an ex-perky but this one takes place down in cataract canyon and so there's really no park service personnel down there i don't even think he encounters a river ranger and so it, it is a little devoid of that and i think actually it's better for that and so you you imagine you're on a multi-day river trip and you stumble upon a murder you have no cell phone. You have no access. You're just stuck with the people that you are stuck with on this river trip. And so it is intriguing and it is fun. It's uh, Scott Graham's Canyonlands 
Carnage. It's put out by Tory House Press. It's the seventh of his National Park Mystery Series. Cool. There you have another version of <laughs> the Radio Book Club, Hardback Radio on your community radio station, KZMU. We're found at 90.1, 106.7 FM. Thank you very, very much, Jesse and Sherry. Thank you. For your time and, and efforts. And gosh, just the number of words you all read, it's astounding. <laughs> <laughs> and now we have more to read since we all have books from the top 25 yeah. <laughs> list. Infinite just. Pointing out some holes. Infinite <laughs> just or beyond. Good night all. <laughs> Good, night. Good night. Thank you.